You are listening to Right Off the Bus. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode number 12 of Right Off the Bus here with my co-host, Pat Mahoney. We're excited to get into another fun week of sports. And Pat, we got a lot going on, but, you know, one thing we want to talk about real quick is we got a killer interview coming up for all the listeners this week. Pat and I have been cheesing cheek to cheek talking about this for the last hour since it happened. We're both having a beer to celebrate for our visual... uh, our visual watchers over there, they can see it. But man, we interviewed Pat Ricard from the Baltimore Ravens, one of the best fullbacks in the league. And obviously, Pat, your team, man, couldn't be more excited about it. And so excited to share this interview with everyone, man. Yeah, beyond pumped. It's it's awesome. I mean, to think about like interviewing an NFL player in general, but then a player from the Ravens too, who I love, like it, it was a surreal thing. And it, like the conversation was great. Pat Ricard, super personal, great guy. And uh, yeah, I mean, he, he he brings that dedication to the Ravens. It was awesome to interview him. Are we journalists now, Pat? Are we like officially <laughs> journalists now? That, yeah, you know, what? we like now to that think we're so. getting some big time ones. <laughs> journalists without a official journalism degree, but I'm an English major. I know you you did writing and kind of journalism geared classes as well. Yeah. But I hey, we'll we'll take it as we go. We'll maybe one day. Yeah, absolutely, man. Absolutely. And that was that was so much fun. And of course, everyone's going to hear that later. So we can't wait to get to it. But Pat's got to tell you a quick little story about the first piece of right off the bus merch. And we didn't even make it, which is pretty awesome, man. And Pat's also got to tell you guys a little bit about our website that is about to drop this week. So Pat, if you want to you want to go in a little. Yeah. And I don't have the name of the small business off the top of my head. I'm going to have to tweet it out and I will for sure. Uh, and I'll put it on Instagram with a picture of the mug as well. But yeah, we didn't even make the merch, but for visual, uh, there's a mug here and they took our logo, basically put it on a mug. Uh, the girl did it. I think it's uh, like a vinyl sticker, but it looks awesome. My girlfriend got me this for our anniversary and uh, huge support to the podcast, which I love. And I'm going to use this mug like every day, although maybe I won't because I don't even want to like ruin it because it's just great so i'm just i might put this in the background just to have like you can be able to see it so it's, i don't know i don't like, know what i'll do with it but it's like that permanent like coke cup on like america's got talent or whatever where they don't even drink yeah out of exactly it, but it's just it's product placement so we're just gonna... <laughs> <laughs> yeah product placement yep yeah maybe one day we'll have merch but yeah for now that was a small business that my girlfriend reached out to that made that so I'll give them a shout out on Instagram and Twitter. And uh, yeah, it was awesome to get it. So I love it. And then, yeah, for our website, we're going to drop that this week. So we're going to have all the links to our episodes on that. And then me and Chandler are going to do some writing as well. So we'll do some articles, um, possibly some write-ups of our interviews as well. We'll see what we end up doing. Uh, but yeah, probably a couple of articles a week. And then if you ever want to listen, uh, we're going to have it linked in our bios as well. Instead of our link tree, which we have right now, you can just go to the website and it's super easy to navigate. You just click on podcasts and you can look through the full library of episodes. You can watch YouTube, uh, the visual version on the front page, or if you want to listen to the most recent episode, that'll be linked right at the top as well. So it'll be easy to navigate. It'll be, uh, should be good. I'm excited for it. Down with the link tree, man. We're, we're becoming official. We're becoming official. We're getting the website going, which is awesome. And Pat, this is going to be an NFL heavy episode this week, which 
I am not upset about. I know you're not one. Like we said, we got the fantastic interview with Pat Ricard, which we're super excited to share with you guys. So we said, let's just keep it with the NFL because, man, it's it's going crazy right now. When you look at everything the New England Patriots are doing, breaking the bank, Bill Belichick, and then just some of the other big signings around the league and some of the medium-sized signings, guys like Corey Davis and guys like Kevin Zietler, there's a million to jump into. So please get excited about this just awesome, awesome NFL episode that we're about to dive into. But first, Pat, before we get to the NFL, we're just going to run through some general headlines real quick. Because, yes, we want to gear it towards the NFL for most of the episode, but we got to get a couple quick other things in there. And the first one we got here, Pat, Joel Embiid is out for the next two weeks and could be longer. That's when he's going to be reevaluated. I think this is a massive blow to the Philadelphia 76ers, the one seed in the East right now. And this kind of felt like the first season where Embiid took the step away from Ben Simmons as the best player. It was always like, who would you rather have? Who would you trade? Because they don't fit. They finally put a good roster around them, and Embiid is dominating the NBA, having by far his best season, MVP discussion, defensive player of the year discussion. This is a big blow for Philly. Yeah, he took over kind of the front runner position for MVP too, I would say, before this injury. I know I saw an article that said that as well. Um, I'm not sure exactly who would have been there before him anyways because he's been dominating through and through like the entire season. But, yeah, he was definitely a front runner. And what was the injury? It was like a leg injury, a parent leg injury that he had. Yeah, leg, foot, you know, something like that. It kind of just came down and landed awkward. Yeah, so bit, hopefully not the guy. <laughs> he is a big guy. And it's it's surprising when those big guys don't get injured more because it's so much like when you land and everything. So, yeah, but I, I hope he'll be back soon, I think, at this point because he got injured, what, about a week ago now? Yeah. He'll be back soon. Yeah, I just hope that – well, I do hope, but you – well, I hope I'm, he's back soon, yeah. Yeah, I hope he's back soon. I don't hope that the Sixers, you know – Drop too far, but I would like to see them drop a couple games without <laughs> without Embiid being there and let Boston keep going on a run. And Boston just absolutely blew out Houston the other night, Pat. And Houston, they are the losers of 16 straight from when we're recording this, man. That's 16 straight, Pat. That's ridiculous. Yeah, tonight, Tuesday, they play. I forget who they play against, but they play a game tonight at like 8 p.m. But as of right now, yeah, when we're recording, 16 straight. And they've been some bad losses. Like I was saying to you before, they lost to uh, on February 4th. to the Or they beat the Grizzlies on February 4th, right before it happened. And then they played them again during the losing streak and lost by like 50. Yeah, it was 49 yeah. or 50 points. So, I mean, that's kind of like you see how that's the epitome of the downslope right there. Like they went from winning a game against that same team. And then, you know, three weeks later they lose by 50 points. And that's kind of, that kind of sums up the losing streak. And I've seen posts about like Victor Oladipo, you know, clearly wants out. It's like, he just got there, but he clearly has given up on the Rockets. And that's like, that's easy to say when they're on a losing streak, but you never know what happens. And I mean, they could figure it out eventually. They're not going to have like a, a great season at this point. I think 16 lose 16 losses in a row is kind of hard to overcome for a season, but you never know what could happen. They could regroup. They could finish strong. And I would say just recuperate for next season at this point. Yeah, I hear you there. And yeah, you know, Eric Gordon's out now. PJ Tucker has been sitting because he wants to trade. John Wall can't stay healthy. Something's got to change for that team. <laughs> Something has got to change. Pat, yeah, next, definitely. Next thing we're getting into, man, March Madness is starting up, Pat. It is it is like some of the best couple of weeks of sports that there is. It's such a fun time. All the betting, all the odds making and all the brackets. It's it's so it's so much fun as a sports fan to participate in. 
me as a Duke fan, unlike the other uh, uh, the other side of Tobacco Road down there, you UNC fans, you're in. Duke's not in. I, I'm with Zion. They asked him last night on Monday, who you got in the tournament? And he said, trick question, Duke's not in it, so I'm not rocking with anybody. I'm the <laughs> same way. Duke all the way, Pat. I don't know if you want to get into March Madness and tell them what we're doing in, uh, at all for that. Yeah, and this this year does kind of have a different feel. Like it's weird with COVID going on and everything, and the structure's a little bit different. I think the Thursday games, there's only like I think I forget, I can't remember if it was two or four games, but not much on Thursday. I know usually Thursday is the biggest day, but that's going to be on the weekend. And it maybe has like a little less excitement this year just because of everything going on. I think next year we'll be back in full swing and it'll be like full March Madness mode, but I'm still excited. I mean, I think so me and Chandler are going to drop a bonus episode. We're going to record. I think we're going to fill out some brackets. And although we haven't watched a ton of college basketball this season, like Chandler's a Duke fan. I'm a UNC fan. Hasn't been a great season. I think regardless, it'll be fun to do. We'll just fill out some brackets. So that should be good for you guys. We'll drop that so you can listen right before, uh, should be before the Thursday games and then the bulk of the games on the weekend for the first round anyways. So we'll do that. That should be fun. And uh, yeah, UNC came in as an eight seed Chandler, which, yeah. you know, what we're used to. It's like, well, we didn't even make the tournament last year, right? We didn't even, I don't even, I can't remember. We, I don't even think we yeah, made the tournament. Yeah, you, you didn't, but the tournament didn't happen because... Oh, um, true. Yeah. It, yeah. So I guess so, we, we caught a like, lucky break. Yeah. Right. And that was the thing. It was like Cole Anthony was so good, but the team was so bad. And then everyone was like, ah, you know, it's a, it's an off year or whatever. It's fine. Yeah. You know, COVID. But. So, <laughs> you know, maybe I'll pick them in the first round. I think they're playing uh, Wisconsin. So I might pick them in the first round, but usually I make a bracket where I have UNC going all the way just for like the sake of it. Cause if that bracket works out then I'm most happy, but I, I'm not going to have a bracket where they win. That's yeah, just not usually, realistic. Usually what I do is I do a bracket. I pick, I find Duke and I make them go all the way to the championship. And then I find UNC and I make them go all the way to the championship. And I have Duke beating UNC. And then I fill out the rest of my bracket. That's how I normally do it. Duke yeah, and UNC yeah. have never met in the tournament before. Never. Not one, one of these time. years it's going to happen. That bracket's going to hit. Oh, I hope so. I hope so. That ESPN Pat. tournament challenge. <laughs> I can't wait. We're going to fill them out for our episode and uh, kind of just go through them uh, region by region. So I hope you guys enjoy listening to that too. Like Pat said, probably dropping on Thursday, you know, normal episode drops on Wednesday. It's a little extra bonus content here from the, uh, the duo right off the bus. But Pat, you want to talk a little bit about the <laughs> UFC card uh, that we got scheduled yeah, and then UFC 261? Big news in combat sports in general. So a couple different things. UFC... They already had the pay-per-view for April, which was UFC 261. So the main title fights on that were the women. So it was not, uh, Rose Namajunas versus Weili Zhang, and then Valentina Shevchenko versus Jessica Andrade, so strawweight and then flyweight. But now what they've done is they announced, uh, well, originally it was supposed to be in Vegas. That's what they thought. Now uh, UFC 261, April 24th in Jacksonville, Florida, full crowd Chandler full crowd it's like going to be the first event where there's going to be a full crowd and i know for ufc crowds like it's it's uh arenas so like td garden you think about i'm not sure what they hold but it, it's going to be like twenty thousand people that are going to be there most likely 20 25,000. and this was actually uh, where they're hosting it was I, th- I believe it was the first event they had hosted after covid and it was like that stacked card they had where uh justin gagey fought tony ferguson and dominic cruz fought henry Sudo. So it's going to be like back at that arena down in Jacksonville, Florida, full crowd. And they added Kamaru Usman versus Jorge Masvidal for the second time. So they just fought on Fight Island. 
Masvidal is going to get a full camp, so I'm excited for that. But yeah, the, I mean, the big thing is like full crowd. What's that going to be like? It's it's going to be crazy. I I cannot wait. I cannot wait to hear a full crowd. And Pat, I know I said it last week, but every single game I watch, every single fight, every single match, whatever I'm watching, I just think about the fact that there should be more fans there. And anyone yeah. who says fans don't affect the game, man. You don't know what you're talking about. Even listen to our boy Pat Ricard coming up in a little bit. We talk, we asked him about the fans, man, and uh, mm-hmm. and it, it it absolutely affects the game one way or another. It absolutely does. And yeah, and MNT Bay gets loud out of Baltimore. It's like yeah. damn. And yeah. I know every U every UFC fight gets loud. And it, it like it was it was one of those things where like sports weren't really going on, so we kind of dealt with it. And it was enjoyable still without fans this whole time at UFC events, but when they had some fans there over in uh, Abu Dhabi, it completely changed it. And you could notice that it was better. So to have like, they're going to go from, you know, 5,000 fans to 20,000. It's going to be crazy. All I'm saying is that Liverpool had the best home streak ever in the premier league. And then their fans went away and Anfield was no longer a fortress, man. The, the, Mm -hmm. the, the energy and everything, the screes, the, the booze from fans, man. I can't wait for it to come back. I cannot man, wait. It makes a difference. And then another event that they're probably going to have fans at, I just got to assume. Biggest boxing match possibly of all time. Just got to agree to Tyson Fury versus Anthony Joshua. So boxing's weird with their belts. There's like four of them for every division. So the heavyweight has like four belts. So I think Tyson Fury has two and then Anthony Joshua has two. I could be wrong, like on the exact numbers, but it's split between those two. So they're going to unify them and they're fighting. I think they just signed a two fight deal. So that regardless of what happens in the first one, they're going to fight a second time. And I think that's all going down this year, like summer and then like maybe winter time. So that got agreed to probably the biggest boxing match of all time. I mean, I know that's our generation. So like the old heads might have something to say about that with like the Ali and Tyson days. So I don't know, but it, it's going to be crazy. So big news in combat sports, like fans coming mm. back. And then you have that, which I assume they're probably going to have fans back for. Tyson Fury's a scary dude. Isn't he like six, nine or something? He's like six, eight or like he's yeah massive. he was he's like so he's like six nine and he fought his last fight against uh Deontay Wilder he was like 273 and he if you watch him fight like the way he moves he moves like he's like a flyweight in the UFC like he bounces around he's so quick it's unbelievable to see a big guy move like that yeah like you see the clips of him and Ali next to each other doing all the bobbing and weaving and you're like <laughs> yeah yeah the dodge like, yeah they enter the matrix yeah <laughs> I'm, I'm like dude you look like you should be the bald british villain in in like taken or something you know what i mean like yeah, you he, should no, be he looks like he could be like a bond film that's crazy <laughs> he really does he really does and, and uh and pat one more thing before we get into this interview and then get into our nfl free agency talk man little little bit of a farewell note to drew Brees. Yeah, we knew he was leaving, but he officially announced it. I think it was via Instagram or Twitter. But, yeah, happy retirement to Drew Brees. I know my buddy's a big Saints fan. He's sad to see him go. But, you know, I, they're in good hands with Sean Payton. They'll see They'll see what they can do. They just restructured the Taysom Hill deal. They have Jameis. I, I don't know if Jameis is going to light it up. I know he got the LASIK surgery in, in Tampa, <laughs> had that big 5,000-yard passing season. I mean, he had 30 and 30 TDs to picks, but – <laughs> you, you never know what he learned from drew on the sidelines drew's one of the most accurate passers of all time so maybe he learned a thing or two yeah absolutely you know and like you said shout out your breeze uh happy retirement man enjoy it enjoy the time with your family i have a feeling he's gonna go straight back to work with like nbc or fox he's gonna be a commentator i think that that was the yeah, plan. absolutely but 
hopefully he takes some time and enjoys the time off, man. And I, I th- I've said it on here before. I think he's one of the most underrated football players ever. I think he's absolutely a top 10 quarterback. I think he's probably a top six or seven quarterback. We'd have to get into the lists, but Drew Brees is an all timer. I think that he's underrated all time. Mm-hmm. And uh, Drew Brees has some records that may never be touched when you look at completion percentages and things like that. So shout out Drew Brees, man. What a career. What a career. Brees yeah, is the was- only one left. I know. And that was one thing I wanted to do. Actually, I was going to list off the records because I had screenshot of it. So just to go over them records uh, that he's finishing with now, most games with 300 plus passing yards, 123 most consecutive seasons with 20 plus passing TDs, most seasons with 5,000 passing yards, five. So think about getting 5,000 passing yards. He's got five of them. Only that's there's only been 10 seasons ever where someone's thrown 5,000 yards and Drew Brees has five. Mm -hmm. And Brady, I mean, Brady's going to pass his all-time like, yardage record, but just because he's playing so long. Fastest right. to reach 70,000 passing yards, all-time leader in completions, all-time leader in career passing yards, which will get broken, but that's how he finishes. Uh, most pass attempts in a playoff game with zero picks. Most pass completions in a playoff games with uh, – oh, so those were, those were like the same. But, yeah, most consecutive games with 20-plus completions – most games with 400 passing yards, most consecutive seasons with 4,000 plus passing yards. And then finally most games with three plus passing touchdowns. So, I mean, the list is just ridiculous. He's, he's unbelievable. He's timeless. He's an all-time great. And anyone disrespecting Drew Brees, man, get out of here. Cause that dude is a hell of a ball player and, and quite, quite the legend living legend right there. Yep. Yep. All right. Well, enough of those headlines. Chandler, we'll get into the uh, interview with Pat Ricard and then uh, we'll follow that up afterwards. We'll get into the free agency. Our next guest on right off the bus for our under the radar segment is two-time pro bowler and the fullback for the Baltimore Ravens. None other than Pat Ricard. Thanks for coming on, Pat. It's great to have you here. Mm -hmm. Thanks for having me on guys. I'm excited. Well, you're from a small town in mass, similar to us. And uh, you're both, or you're the youngest of, nine siblings am i correct yeah it's it's half brothers and sisters so it's marriage separate marriages they had you know both my parents had prior marriages and families and then they got divorced and then eventually found each other and then they had a family and i was the baby out of all of them so i have technically nine on the ninth so we're, we're both the youngest of four so we kind of get it but uh so what was it like growing up as the youngest especially in sports did you want to yeah. you know follow up in the footsteps of any of your siblings because i know yeah. me and chandler probably did yeah um so my oldest brother he is 15 years older than me so i mean when it came to sports competing with my siblings it really only was my true blood brother my full brother who's only two years older than me um besides that I have my brother, Mike, who didn't play sports. He's six years older. None of my sisters are really that athletic. And then my brother, Bob, who's the oldest, 15 years older, he played football. So by the time I was a little kid, you know, he was already, already moved out. Uh, you know, by the time I was five, he was already 20. So he was already moved out. And when I started playing sports, he kind of showed me a little bit of things for football. But it was mostly my brother, uh, Christian, who's two years older than me. Me and him the ones who played the most sports, competed with each other the most. That's funny. I'm in a similar sense, actually. My next oldest brother, I'm the youngest of four boys. Christian was the one that always pushed me in basketball and we were always going at it. So I can definitely relate there. And, you know, like Pat said, we're both from small towns in Mass. Pat's out in Chicopee. I'm out in Eastern Mass in Easton. And you're kind of right in the middle being from Spencer. So can you talk about being from a small town and, uh, you know, was it always your goal to make it to the NFL playing 
you know, childhood football and playing high school? And how did that goal develop? Yeah. Um, I mean, you never, you always dream of playing professional sports, but like to actually do it, it's like, it's a, it's a dream, right? You don't actually think like, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to be in the NFL. Like, yep. It's a sure thing. It's going to happen. Like, um, you know, being from a small town, it's, you just kind of hear stories of some people making it some and a lot not. And for me growing up, baseball was my biggest sport. I love baseball more than anything. And I love the Red Sox. And that's when the Red Sox, you know, 2004 broke their, whatever, like 86 year old curse. And they were really good. And I really loved them. And um, my dad coached me and my brother in little league and all the way up until high school. So it was a big sport for us growing up. And my mom didn't allow us to play football. And my brother Christian wanted to play so dang bad that she finally allowed him <laughs> because he was a small kid. And I was like a, I always tell people I was kind of like an average kid growing up. You know, I wasn't tiny. I wasn't big, but like, you know, I was okay. And she didn't want me, me to play football either. And then I didn't play until I only played two years before I got into high school. Um, so like the NFL wasn't even, you know, I liked the Patriots, but like I wasn't even my favorite sport at that time. Um, I really wanted to be a major major league baseball player, if anything, in any sport. Um, I mean, still kind of do, you know what I'm saying? It's kind of the best sport to be playing. Um, but, uh, but no, seriously, um, I I don't know. I, I just kind of have always I, – I, I never grew up as a kid being like, yeah, I want to be a dentist when I grow up. Like, I never had that kind of dream job of what I wanted to do. I just kind of just did what I liked doing and just – kept going, I guess, at that point, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I guess the next step after high school was you went up to the University of Maine way up there, and uh, you played a lot of defensive line. Can you talk about that transition from D-line to fullback, and how did that happen? Um, when I got into the NFL, you're saying? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so when I was at Maine, I only played defensive line. And I'll take it back a step further. Even in high school, I didn't play defensive line in high school. I played – linebacker on defense and then offense I played tight end my first two years and then I played fullback my last two years oh. and it was a different offense double wing offense so it's not like a normal pro or college style offense um and then I got my scholarship to Maine and I get there and they want me to play d-line and I never played defensive line so that was a transition in itself and then I played defensive line there for five years and then I'm trying to go in the NFL as a defensive lineman and no, I was 300 pounds, so technically speaking, as an interior defensive lineman, that's undersized. It's really not, though. I mean, depends on how well you play, I guess. Like, you know, Aaron Donald's 285. Is he undersized? Yes, he is, but it doesn't matter, right? So, like, it, so it didn't matter for me. And so I got to the Ravens, and um, first week there, and they're kind of feeling, you know, feeling guys out, you know, as a rookie, you have a rookie mini camp and then you have an OTAs and that's what the whole team. And, and then at that point, they kind of already evaluate players and kind of what they've seen so far. And for our offense, um, Kyle Juszczyk just signed a big contract with the 49ers that off season. So they lost him in free agency. And then all they had left at that position was a undrafted rookie with me and a running back. They were trying to convert to a fullback. So pretty much after a week of seeing them, seeing me defensive line, they probably saw me. It was like, you know what? He has potential to maybe make our team as defensive lineman, but let's see what he can do at the fullback position or tight end position because, you know, we kind of need those spots right now and he's an undrafted guy and whatever. And I'm just so thankful the Ravens even wanted to give me the opportunity to 
make this team anyway. So it was about, like I said, a weekend in OTAs and they, Greg Roman, who was the tight ends uh, and running game coordinator at the time. Now he's our offensive coordinator. He came up to me and was just like, hey, Pat, we, uh, we want to give you a rep at fullback in practice. And, you know, of course, me being an undrafted guy, like, of course, like, I'm going to say yes to any opportunity they're going to give me because I want to make the team. I didn't care if it was the water boy, the quarterback, a, a coach, like, whatever I had to do, right? So they, I do really well on my one play. And I was really smart, too, about how I approached ways to be seen because being an undrafted guy, like, you really have to make a name for yourself or – make plays every day, be consistent. So scouts see you, coaches see you because they don't, you know, and only one or two undrafted guys may, might make the team. And the Ravens are like one of the only teams in the league to have a streak of having an undrafted guy every year make the team. So like some some teams, they don't even sign undrafted guys. So um, as soon as that play was over, I stood next to John Harbaugh. I was just sitting next to him and he just kind of like not saying anything. And he's like, and then he just looks at me. He's like, you look like a natural doing that. And I was like, yeah, that's because I used to do it in high school because I played fullback in high school. And then all of a sudden I looked at him and he was just like, okay. I could tell that's when stuff, stuff started churning in his head. Like, okay. And I didn't know at the time his brother, Jim at San Francisco, who also had Greg Roman on his staff, converted somebody to play fullback for them. So it was like a similar thing. So he probably thought, okay, my brother did it in the past with a big guy. Like maybe I could do it with this guy. And I think me saying that and things like that. And and then eventually from there, just snowballed to me getting more snaps on offense. And I was still playing defense. And I, that's how I became a two-way player. I just started to do both. And they allowed me to do both. And, um, and now here we are. And do you enjoy still be... getting that? Go oh, sorry. Go ahead, Chandler. <laughs> I was just going to say, it's got to be a pretty amazing feeling to be standing next to John Harbaugh and have him say, you look like a natural playing that position. That must have done wonders for your confidence. That's, that's yeah, pretty amazing. Yeah, like, you know, never having been doing it since high school. And then, and like, I, like I said, it's a completely different offense, like double wing offense. Like, do you guys know what a double wing offense is? Uh, no, not, not, not exactly. off the top of my head now. Exactly. Okay, so, <laughs> what this offense we ran in high school is, is all the linemen have – six inch splits so they're literally they're six inches from each other all next to each other and then they have two tight ends in the in line and then you have wings and then the quarterback's under center and then the fullback has to touch the butt of the quarterback and then get in a stance so everybody all is together and all we do is run gap scheme and literally our bread and butter our number one play was 26 superpower so, like, literally, the, our quarterback, under center, gets the ball, pivots, pitches it to the wing, and, and then the wing runs the ball to the right. And while he does that, we have our left guard pulling, our left tackle pulling, our tight end, Superman diving, cutting off the backside. And then we have our quarterback following the fullback and our two linemen, and then the quarterback leads up with me. So like it's like it's not even like a normal offense at all. So then for me to do well on my one snap that they give me in a normal offense, and it was a 90 lead. So I had to lead up on the mic from the eye. And I never really did that in high school. And I did well. It's because I used to do some fullback stuff. So um, so yeah. Answers the question. Yeah, no, that's incredible. Mm -hmm. 
And I was going to ask as well, you kind of uh, mentioned it, but uh, coming out of UMaine undrafted, what was the experience like being signed by the Ravens shortly after the draft? Like how did that whole situation go down? And were there other teams you had got to choose between? Yeah, so my pre-draft stuff, like my visits and everything, I actually had maybe more visits and, and talks to teams than I did when I was going into college. So, wow. I, yeah, so I didn't go to the Combine. I didn't go to any All-Star games. So that's when teams get a chance to see me. So I had several uh, private workouts with teams. I had uh, multiple visits with teams. Like I went there, visited the facility and things like that. So I had teams that were interested. So when it came to the night of the draft, you know, you know, there was a chance of getting drafted, low rounds, but then I – towards the end, the middle of the sixth round, that's when I started to have phone calls just constantly calling me all the way through the seventh round. I just constantly had phone calls and I had multiple offers to choose from teams. And, you know, the reason why I picked the Ravens is they honestly recruited me so heavily. Like it, it wasn't like any other team, like other teams, you know, they would talk to me. They might have me for a visit. They might have me for a workout. And that was really it with the Ravens. I didn't have a workout with them. I didn't have a visit with them, but I had the assistant D-line coach call me and text me several times a week for a month before the draft. The D-line coach called me. I had the defense coordinator call me. I had Harbaugh call me on draft day. Like it was just like insane, like how heavily they recruited me. And then it just felt like a good fit because I was trying to make it as a defensive lineman. And at that time, a couple of guys left in free agency. The younger players hadn't really played yet. Some were on IR closer to home, um, being from Massachusetts, obviously, you know, it's only like a six, six, seven hour drive. So I, it, it just felt like a good fit. And ultimately that's why I picked them. And, you know, I had several other offers to choose from, but I just felt like the Ravens were the best fit. And luckily everything worked out for me for choosing them. So. <laughs> well, Pat's definitely happy to hear that as a Ravens fan. <laughs> he, he loves watching you play. And that Ravens rushing attack is obviously one of the most fun to watch in football. So can you talk about being a main part of such a run heavy offense and what's that, what that is like? I love it. I mean, playing fullback, you want to be a part of a team that runs the ball. So for us, the past few years, I just kicked my bar. Ouch. Okay. Um, <laughs> Uh, the last two years, you know, we ranked number one in rushing in the whole NFL. And I mean, I think it's a big tribute to Greg Roman and, and kind of the schemes he run, he makes week to week. I mean, this guy, he, he, we can have one play and he can change the formation, change the, the motion, but everything else is the exact same for us. But to a defense, it might look like a completely new or different play. So like, I think that's why we've had so much success running the ball. And obviously it helps having Lamar Jackson back there do his thing. And, you know, teams aren't sure if he's going to keep it. He's going to give it to one of our great backs. And then, um, you know, you have me and Nick Boyle leading up for them. And um, I mean, it, it's been, it's been amazing, man. And, and even 2019, when we broke the, I mean, most people don't know this, but in 2019, we broke the single season regular rushing record we rushed for the most yards in an NFL season ever. Wow. Ever. <laughs> ever last two years ago. I believe it. <laughs> most people don't even don't even know. And I'm like, how do you not know that we literally were the best rushing team ever? And then last year, we almost broke the single game rushing record. We almost had 400 and something yards a game for one game against the Bengals last year. So I, I, it's exciting to be a part of this offense, how much you run the ball and, Occasionally, I might get the ball in my hands. Um, 
is always fun to have. And uh, I just, I'm excited for next year to see how well we're going to do. So. Absolutely. And one of the big changes going into next year, you guys are going to have some fans back, which I'm sure you were extremely excited for. Can you talk a little bit about last season and like the challenge that all the just strange things going on with COVID, the challenge that that posed last year versus what, what you're looking forward to next year? Yeah. Um, I'll start off with the protocols and things like that. Like we had to follow so many different protocols throughout the year. Um, you know, that started the off season, we, we're all virtual. We weren't in person. We weren't practicing. We weren't in the building together. Um, and it might happen this year. We don't even know what's going to happen with our OTAs. And people who don't know what an OTA is, it's an organized team activities. It's essentially spring ball. It's a time for us to get together, work out, meet, have some helmeted practices. Um, so it's a big time to develop and, and kind of just, you know, see where we are as a team. But we might not even have it again this year. So that was a big challenge in itself. And then and then when it came time for training camp, um, you know, COVID testing, we have to get tested from the start of training camp all the way until our last our last game. We got tested every single day. You had to go through a drive through, get con swab. And it isn't that bad what the how they do it. They just go in your nose a little bit. You know, they're not going up in your brain and scraping that. And so it, it was easy, but it was just something we had to do every single day every and day. every day. And then on top of that, as soon as you get in the building, they have these little chips called Connexons, and I hate them so much because you have to wear them <laughs> at all times. Like, you have to have it at all times because if you don't, and, so, and somebody tests positive and they know you're either with them or next to them, but your Connexon doesn't say so, you can get fined $50,000. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> or something or like fifteen. No, I think it was like fifteen. The dollars $50,000. Yeah, it's it still... Yeah, like it's just ridiculous. So then the fifty thousand dollars was there's the cameras around the facility, the NFL had access to them, so they could like just look at it whenever they wanted. And if they see guys like blatantly not wearing masks, they could find them fifty grand. And then obviously you can get suspended, things can happen. If if there's an outbreak, then bad things can happen. Um and then, you know, besides that, we decided to be separated all at all times. Um certain things we couldn't do like the had to close down the saunas and and just certain aspects it, it made it a little more difficult and challenging to conduct business in the facility but we were still able to do mostly everything so that was the nice thing about it um you know we'll see how this year will be affected by covid but besides that i mean the other thing was not having fans at games or being around fans and that was just kind of weird because you know, you're in stadiums and you're just kind of empty. So you kind of have to like bring your own energy and kind of still be like, this is still a game, you know, in your, in your own head. But at the same time, I kind of liked not having fans only because you have to think about it playing, especially me playing on offense. Like I don't have to play in front of thousands and thousands of people who are just screaming, like just screaming. And you're like, trying to hear the more you're trying to hear your teammates your coaches and you're trying to think and it's a little 60, hectic and yeah and you have thousands of people just screaming and it's kind of hard to concentrate or think so it was nice not having as many people there so you could really think and like it was rare sometimes like being on the field like if you're messing up or you didn't hear something or something like our coaches would, would yell at us and we could hear them and they could coach us on the sideline so that was a little different um so I'm definitely looking forward to having some fans this year. I, I'm not exactly sure if it's going to be 100%. It might be. 
I mean, you just saw Texas open up 100% with some of their stadiums, like baseball mm-hmm. stadiums I saw. So you never know. Um, it's definitely will be exciting to have fans again. I mean, it, it just makes it so much funner, you know, way, way more crazy environments to play in. Um, so definitely looking forward to having fans again. I can imagine. And, well, now you've been selected as a pro bowler twice. And although Lee didn't hold that actual game this year because of COVID, after your journey, what was it like to go to Orlando in 2020 and get to experience that? Whenever I get asked about the, the Pro Bowl, I always say one word, surreal. It was just, it was very surreal. I mean, my journey to getting there itself was a surreal experience and then just being there alone. I mean, it was my third year in the NFL lot two years ago when I, when I went and I only played an X amount of teams. Right. So I haven't still seen a lot of players or played against them. So like to be in Orlando for a whole week and it's super exclusive. Like we all stay at the same hotel. We have to have credentials on us. So when we're walking around, like they have to check them to make sure, you know, you are who you are. So it was very exclusive in that way. And they had, they were very good with family and friends coming down and like being there with the whole time with you. Like I had 10 people with me and they do events. Um, they had us at Universal Studio one night. They extended the park hours. So we literally had the whole park to ourselves. And mostly all the rides were open. And here I am getting on this. I got a Spider-Man ride with Derek Henry and his family. I got on the Hulk ride and there was Deshaun Watson hanging out with his girlfriend and just like whatever. And, and then I went walking down to Hogwarts and there was Russell Wilson with Sierra. And then behind there was Drew Brees with his kids. Like it was just, it was, it was, it was insane. Like it was just like, it was like almost like I, like I paid like backstage access to be around all these people and, and, and to do it with my, my dad, my brother, you know, and, and cause they don't get to experience being around NFL players very much as you know, I have for the past three years. And so just, just that alone, I mean, it was very uh, surreal. And the fact to make it again this year, and unfortunately everything was virtual. It was supposed to be in Vegas too. So it was going to be a good time, you know, a whole week in Vegas, everything's going to be included because they pay for everything. Like even when we were at Universal on the streets, they had open bars of food, liquor, anything you wanted. It was all whatever you wanted. So it, it's a great time. They take care of you and um, – this past year, like I said, it was all virtual. So I literally didn't do anything for it. It was like very minimal things. And um, hopefully I got to make it again and get to experience another Pro Bowl week. So, um, you know, it's it's a good time when it happens. So hopefully it does soon. Yeah, we know you'll be back. Oh, absolutely. Thank absolutely. you. <laughs> especially, especially in that rushing offense. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and Pat, our last question here is about your nickname, Pancake Pat. You know, it's the first five comments on every Instagram you post. You know, all the Ravens fans are hyped about it. Where did that name come from? It, it obviously works with what you do for a living, you know, but where did that name start? Um, so people around here know me as Project Pat, and that's because Brandon Williams gave me that name uh, my rookie year, and it kind of just spread throughout the building. And I actually liked it because it gave me a, a name, right? On a drafted guy, it gave me a name from the building. Everybody knew me as Project, Project Pat. And that's how the, the fans in Baltimore knew me my first couple of years with the Ravens. And after my third year of making the Pro Bowl, I just signed a, I signed a two-year extension at that time. Um, so I knew I was going to be in the city for two more years. And 
I'm on a great team. You know, we just finished 14 and two and unfortunately lost to the Titans, but I, I know like, okay, now's the time to start branding myself. So like, what can I do to like get my name out there more and people to know me more and more opportunities for myself. So it came up with a logo I'm actually wearing right now. It's my power car logo and came up with this design. And then we came up with the website. So I have a website, thepatrickricard.com, and it has my gear on there and a bunch of other things. And so then, so then fast forward to the season this past year and the way I was playing, I was pancaking guys, like every game, every other game, like I was getting a couple guys on their backs and that's called a pancake block. And in the NFL world, doesn't, those blocks don't happen very often. I mean, these defensive players are very physical, strong guys who attack us at the same speed and violence we attack them. So it's usually stalemates or you might drive guys back. The guys are very athletic to where they're not going to fall or fall on their back. So for me to be doing that, I mean, it was an accomplishment. So I was like talking to my branding guys and the marketing people that helped me with my website. And, you know, how can we brand something else? And, and before all this happened, my name, Project Pat, has other variants to it throughout the building and with the Ravens, you know, I had some guys start calling me party Pat. Um, when I made the pro bowl, they started calling me pro bowl Pat. When I signed my tier extension and call me paid Pat, there was just, you know, it, it kind of like, was this little like thing with my name and it, I, I liked it. I thought it was cool and everyone else liked it too. So I'm like, okay, what else could I do? I'm like, why don't I make a shirt or something cool? and have it pancake pat and start marking myself as that because I'm playing like that. It's clever. And we did it and the t-shirt came out very well. And we have a t-shirt, we have a hoodie. And then Lamar called me pancake pat in an interview that helped a lot. And, and guys st started calling me pancake pat even before I came up with the t-shirt because just how I was playing and how guys always gave me those little nicknames and, and I'm open to any nickname. That's why, People were like, what are you now? Are you Project Pad? Are you Pro Bowl Pad? Are you Pancake Pad? And I'm like, I'm everything, man. And, and, that's, how, that's, how, and that, that's how my career has been. You know, I've been ever expanding. I played multiple positions for this team. I have multiple nicknames. Um, so, you know, there might be more nicknames to come. You never know. Next year it might be, I don't know, who knows? Something, you know, you never know. You have to, you have to think. <laughs> Something that starts with a P, yep. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. We're waiting on it. Pass catching yeah. Pat, man. Something's coming. Something's coming. <laughs> Pastor Pat. That's what, was, that's what I was thinking of doing when I pancake somebody and they're on the ground. I could just like just just pastor them, you know, say a little prayer for them. <laughs> that's a good Pastor one, yeah. Pat. I love it. <laughs> you never know. You know, that's the fun about it. All right. Well, uh, thanks for thanks again for coming on, Pat. We wish the Ravens the best of luck in 2021. I'll know I'll be rooting for you guys. Uh, you can follow Pat on Instagram and Twitter at PRIC508. Check out his website, for uh, thepatrickricard.com, for great merch. I checked out the Pancake Pat shirts. And be sure to, to be on couple. the lookout. <laughs> yeah, be sure to be on the lookout for some of his devastating blocks next year as well. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. I yeah, appreciate you coming on. Thank you again, man. Mm -hmm. Man, Pat, how cool was that? I know we talked about it in the intro, but we just got to talk to our first NFL player. We did our first NFL interview. I think we're legit journalists now. Player from your favorite team. Guy, you know, he said, Pat Ricard said, you know what? I don't normally do podcasts. 
but I'm gonna make an exception for you boys since you're from Massachusetts. He's from Spencer, Mass, as you just heard. But man, that was so cool. It was so much fun, especially since it was a player from your favorite team. That was so awesome. But now, Pat, we got to move on. Unfortunately, we can't talk to him forever. I wish we could have had him for an hour or two. But uh, but thank <laughs> yep, you, Pat yep. Ricard, for the time. And now we got to move on to the NFL. And so much has been happening in the NFL right now. Some big quarterback contracts, some trades. The Bill Belichick woke up thirsty for blood on the first morning that he was allowed to start signing people, man. Bill's been going off. But first... I just want to talk about this Brady contract extension before anything else, because I think that this is really interesting and it shouldn't surprise anybody because this is what Brady did in new England for 20 straight years. He took less money. Schefter from ESPN reports. It's a four-year contract extension, but actually it's only a one-year extension because it's three voidable years because they're just stretching his contract over those three years. They're just going to pay him for longer so that it's less of a cap hit now. And it saved the 19 million in cap space, Pat, which is nuts. 19 million from the best quarterback ever. Like that is a ridiculous amount of money. And Levante David resigned because of this man. Shaq Barrett just resigned because of this. Gronk resigned because of this. Godwin's tagged, man. The boys are back. The boys are back, and it's all because Brady's yeah, taking less on this they, deal. What do you, what do you think about it? I was just say they pretty much kept everyone right. Like they they got Shaq Barrett, like you said, uh, Levante David's resigned, Chris Godwin franchise tagged, which I'm upset about as a Ravens fan because we needed the receiver, yeah. and you know it's looking thin out there now. I, I don't know what's left, but uh, yeah, the Bucks man, they're gonna they're going to have a great season next year. And now, I mean, who, their competition was the saints in that division in the NFC South and the saints beat them twice. And then, you know, the bucks prevailed in the playoffs, but I think the bucks are going to run that division through the regular season. I don't see how they couldn't now. And this is like, yeah, like you said, this is like typical Brady and he, I mean, he can afford the pay cut, right? He, he's got Giselle. <laughs> he's already made bank over his 20 plus years in the NFL. Like at this point in his life, like he just wants a ring record that nobody can touch. He goes for number eight. Hell, if they win, he's around for another year. They could go for nine. And like, I'm not a Brady fan. I mean, I respect the guy. I'm not a Pats fan. He made my life miserable for years. <laughs> but at this point, like, you got to respect the guy. If he goes for eight rings and gets it, that's insane. I don't think that's a record that'll ever be touched. Yeah, even seven. I think like seven is untouchable, which is funny. Be like, he has more than any team. Like the you know, the, yeah, the seven already the might not even be touched. It's like, <laughs> I, if, if he gets an eighth, it's like, no doubt. I literally, I don't know why this just clicked in my brain, but it's like, if you took Bill Russell and Michael Jordan, like that's what he is. Like he's the goat in statistical categories, wins, everything makes people better, has all these records, but he also just has an untouchable amount of Super Bowls, man. Like people don't consider Bill Russell the all-time great anymore, but Bill Russell was the best ever until you know, Jordan came around and like bird and magic and those guys. And I think Brady might be untouchable. I think he might be the most untouchable goat in like modern team sports, because you look at someone like Serena Williams, like, yes, she's up there and there's people in every sport that dominate it. But I think Brady might be the goat of goats, man, especially if he gets another It's if it's eight, dude, wrap it up, wrap it up. Five was already the best. You already passed Joe Montana, who was the best with five. This Brady contract speaks volumes about who he is as a teammate, man, as a player. And don't be surprised if Antonio Brown's back there too. And don't be surprised if Julian Edelman signs there. You know, I hope that Jules doesn't leave New England, but 
people are going to want to play in Tampa Bay. That's what it is. Like, Indomitian Sue still has to resign. Who knows where Leonard Fournette's going to go? I kind of hope he gets a big payday and doesn't stay there for low money. But one person I think is going to go there, Pat, I don't know why. I think Adrian Peterson is a really, really good fit for that minimum okay. contract. I think that you add AP into that backfield, one, to mentor the guy, to mentor the younger guys, two, to just have that veteran presence, and three, he's still a good running back, and that's a guy I want to see win a ring so bad. AP is a top five, six running back ever in my book, so I'd love to see Adrian Peterson go get a ring. And so do you think in that scenario they get rid of Ronald Jones? or Because I don't know what his contract's like, but I will, yeah. at this point I don't know if they need to save money because clearly they re-signed everyone back. But <laughs> would you, you know, do you go AP and Leonard or do you go like committee back and you have AP there as well? Because I, I agree. Think, I mean, I I think I think Leonard should stay there for now, but then like he might get a big payday if he if he performs well. Yeah, I think it all depends on what happens with Leonard Fournette, right? Because if you can get Fournette back, you do because that's the ideal duo. But I think that if he goes and signs for more money, which I know there's interest out there in Leonard Fournette, the, the dude's like 26. He's now a yeah, Super Bowl champion. Be. He's a bruising mm-hmm. running back. Like, yeah. So I I think that he's he's plan a obviously but if he's gone and then you're working with a draft pick ronald jones in a vet i'd love ap ap is still a bruiser man ap still runs through guys so i would like to see ap there and i think it would be really interesting to see and like i said before i just want him to win a ring he's one of those all-time greats that you don't get mad at ring chasing for no one's mad Mm -hmm. at jj watt right no one's mad at like anyone else for leaving it's those those guys that you want to win like uh, Blake Griffin, like, uh, you know, if Kevin Love was bought out, you're like, yeah, I want you to play on a good team. And that's what this is. I'm like, AP, just go win. Just go win, man. <laughs> I will say one thing with the Bucs that surprised me was that Gronk re-signed. I kind of yeah. thought he'd be done. I really did. Because he was on a one-year deal. And then he just signed yeah. another one-year deal for $10 million. But now, now that he re-signed, I'm thinking he's just going to stop when Brady does. He's like, I'm just going to stick with this guy. You know, if we win again, I'm just going to keep going. If I think he'll be there as long as Brady is. And I think the Bucs will be willing to re-sign him if it works. You know, if they win another ring, why not re-sign him? I'm going to counter and say that I believe Gronk will retire before Tom Brady. <laughs> just because, okay. well, you know, this might be his last year. Tom is. Just... Yeah, this might, this might be his last year. I don't think Gronk's spending like $2 million on his body every year like, like Brady is. Right, like Gronk. Brady's- I mean, Gronk's a funny analyst too. Like he could, you know, he could work as an analyst. He he brings humor that those other guys don't. So he, I mean, he's got a future in sports, regardless. Yeah, whatever Gronk wants to do, he has the personality for it. That's for sure. The fact that Brady is contracted now through forty six years old is just horrifying. Like that that is ridiculous. He's forty three. Mm-hmm. He's contracted through forty six, which is totally nuts. Brady's an absolute legend, man. But, Pat, we got to move on to this next quarterback contract. And, Pat, now it's three weeks in a row. Week one, it was Tiger Woods that was right after we got off. Week (laughs) two, it was J.J. Watt right after we get off. Week three, we are recording. We get off, and I text you, Dak Prescott just got the bag, man. Like, Yeah, we just missed it. I don't know if it's usually because it's like – it's because it's like a Monday or Tuesday. Today, you know, it's Tuesday, but – if we record on a Monday, like we record before all these big, <laughs> this big news comes out right after the weekend. I don't know if it's like our timing. I, I think we're just getting screwed, but, but yeah, Dak signed his contract extension. Like not even, it wasn't even like, it was like inside an hour after we were done. Same with we the should, JJ Watt thing. 
We should start a like news we missed segment just to do the one big headline of that we missed the <laughs> yeah, week before yeah. because it just keeps happening, man. <laughs> yep. <laughs> but yeah, we could. This... We really could. Yeah, man. Yeah, maybe we'll work that in. See, we're brainstorming. Uh, I was about to say on air, but I guess we're not on air. We're not a WSKB, you know, even though you're rocking the shirt. <laughs> uh, but man, Dak Prescott, you know, Ian Rappaport from NFL Network, he was just. He, he was the one that broke this and reported it, which absolutely shocked me, man. Four-year, $160 million guarantee, up to 164 based on incentives, which is kind of funny. It's like $4 million of incentives. But 126 guaranteed. And then two big details, which are definitely really important. There is a no-franchise tag clause in it. He can't be franchised again, which obviously Dak was not about the franchise tag. And there's a no trade clause, which I think is just another big step in the direction of this becoming a player league. You don't see no trade clauses. Now guys like Dak and Russell Wilson and other people have them. But man, $66 million signing bonus. $66 million to put pen to paper. Couple, 10 pages, initial here, sign here, initial here. $66 million. Jerry Jerry Jones, $66 million on a check. To yeah, it's a, Prescott, it's a feel-good story, million. right? it's a feel good story. I mean, we didn't expect that from the yeah. Cowboys. At least I didn't. And you feel so bad for Dak after what happened last year. Like it's only, it's only fair to him that he gets paid. I mean, he's talented, but like after what happened last year, I'm so glad to see him get paid. Cause I was worried that they really weren't like, I was worried they were going to move on and try to go in a different direction. I'm so glad to see him get paid, but I hope he's healthy next year. I really hope he comes back healthy and 66 million. You know, I think Dak deserves that. On a signing bonus, man, that's just crazy, dude. Hey, Cowboys can afford it. They, they got more money. They got more money than they know what to do with, and they never do anything with it. That's fair. That's fair, man. But I, I, for me personally, like, is Dak a top ten quarterback? Like, fringe when he's healthy. He's fringe. Like he's right. There? I think he's fringe when he's healthy. He's fringe. But this just reminds. Go ahead. No, I was gonna say for me, like, you look at the impact that the injury had like oh, yeah. how they were doing when he wasn't injured to after the injury and how they fell apart and how that whole division, well, the whole division was a mess, but they certainly would have been in the playoffs. If they had Dak, it wouldn't have been the Washington football team. It wouldn't have been, you know, the Eagles in second, I agree. Like it would have been the Cowboys. So for me, that shows exactly like what he did for that team. I think Dak's, I think he is fringe top 10. I wouldn't know if I would put him there. I would have to look at the list of QBs and see exactly how I would rank it. But for me, I, I think Dak has enough impact to deserve to get paid. Yeah, I'm with you. I think he definitely deserved to get paid, but I just thought this was too much money. And I know this is where the league is headed with quarterbacks. I understand that this is now the money that a top quarterback demands. But I just can't imagine giving Dak this money. I really can't. And I know, obviously, I'm not in the position to do so, and I never will be. But, wow, man, this just reminded me of the last Tony Romo deal he got. Tony mm. Romo gets paid the absolute bag, and I'm like, eight and eight, eight and eight, eight and eight, seven and nine. Like, why did Tony Romo get paid? And kind of feels like Dak. Like, you're getting paid before you proved it. Dak hasn't proved it yet. Dak has been phenomenal. But he missed most of last year with an injury. He's been really good. Cowboys haven't been making the playoffs. I love Dak. But what has he done? 40 million a season. 40 million. Yeah. That's Maybe crazy. he hasn't done enough. Yeah, he might not have done enough to get the 40 mil a season. But thinking about like the Romo deal compared to Dak, 
I, I feel like you could see it with Romo that he wasn't worth it. I feel like Dak at least has the potential to be worth it, you know? Like, yeah. we'll see. Next year will be a proving ground for him if he's healthy, comp- you know, with what happened last year. So we haven't seen it yet, but I think at least with Dak, you have the potential and the upside that he could be worth that eventually. But yeah, I mean, you could be paying 40 mil to Dak next year for a seven and nine season, eight and eight season. I guess that's the risk that you need to take. There's just not enough, I think, talented QBs that you could go Mm. out and like it it would have been hard to move on to a different quarterback. I think they had really no choice. I think, you know, their hands were tied and they had to pay Dak. Yeah, I think I think you're right. And I think it was eventually the right call because it's like, well, for slightly more money, I'd still want Dak Prescott over Carson Wentz or Jared Goff. And those are guys Mm -hmm. making that money. You know what I mean? So. So, yeah, I I, I guess that I guess that is fair. It's just maybe I'm just not yet like used to and comfortable with the new contracts in the NFL because I I don't know. Yeah, they're bad. Dak getting uh Dak getting Pat Mahomes Deshaun Watson money is just kind of like yeah to me but let let him prove it let him yeah prove it. let's see what when happens. I saw a, I saw a tweet too and it was like how much the Cowboys are paying their stars next year and it was that uh, it was uh Dak Zeke and then Amari and the number was in the hundred millions I don't remember the exact number but it was a crazy number you had the forty mil for Dak and then whatever the other two contracts were it's gonna be over a hundred million that they're paying three guys. So, I mean, the Cowboys are in it. They're clearly in it to win it. They've, they're paying their guys, and clearly they think they have a chance with that core three. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, it's one of those graphics that you see, you know, bench one, start one, cut one, and it's like a running back, a wide receiver, and a quarterback. That's a pretty good trio if you're looking mm-hmm. at the one in Dallas, man. It's yeah. definitely hard to compete with that one. Pat, we're going to just keep moving with the NFL free agency, and I just want to start, obviously – with my new England Patriots because Bill Belichick, man, this dude woke up hungry. This, I don't think he has slept since free agency started. This dude has just been going out and signing everybody. Now, first there starts with a couple, it starts with a couple moves. Cam Newton resigns with the Patriots one year, 14 million is what's reported. Everyone freaks out. It's not 14 million. It's like five and a half million base salary, what he's going to get paid. And there's incentives up to 14 million. You think you think Cam Newton's going to win Super Bowl MVP, MVP, or Pro Bowl, no. or no. win twelve games or throw seventy percent? No, he's not getting paid fourteen million, which is why this is such a good deal. Like Cam was still okay last year. We weren't great, obviously. What were we seven and nine? I don't think we were six. Yeah, and seven nine. and nine. Seven yeah. and nine was the last. Yeah, Cam. Didn't get a training camp. Didn't get OTAs, which shout out Pat Ricard for explaining to everyone what OTAs are. Um, (laughs) But Cam loves Bill. Cam doesn't stop talking about how much he loves Bill and how Bill's misunderstood and disrespected. He loves Jacoby Myers. He loves Demir Bird. He loves Inkeel Harry, who he calls Doughboy. I don't know why he calls him Doughboy. I feel like it's kind of offensive. But he loves everything about being in New England, man, and didn't get preseason games, didn't get all this other stuff. So if Cam's our QB one next year, I'm not happy, but it definitely could be worse, especially with everyone we're signing. Yeah. This team just went crazy. And I will say my thing with Cam is like, yeah, we saw what happened last year, but I think he's going to be much improved. I think he's going to be adjusted to the Patriot system. And if he can fit into Bill's system, I mean, he's, you look at what Brady did, obviously Cam's not anything near Brady and he's a completely different type of quarterback. He's still very talented once MVP, but with that system, you know, you're doing, the running back passes you're doing the short slants across the middle like they're 
their offense wasn't built on deep, deep passes. So yeah. I think that's a system that Cam could adjust to. And now, like, we'll talk about the signings, but you look at the guys they signed in terms of receivers and then at tight end. I mean, those are those are guys that can make can make great use of on like 10 yard passes, five yard passes and like catch and runs. It's it's it could work out. I think so, too. And yeah, like like you said, we're about to talk about some of the signings and why they would help camp Dude, the tight ends. We just got we just got the two best tight ends in free mm-hmm. agency. We just got Jonu Smith and Hunter Henry, which is nuts. And we just paid them both. And Jonu Smith and Hunter Henry are the third and fourth highest paid tight ends in football now behind Travis Kelsey and Greg Kittle. And we're going to get back to that two tight end offensive set power running back behind Damian Harris. We're going to run the ball. We're going to be running a lot of crossing routes, little split screens, dude. Like no one uses tight end screens as well as the Pats and John U. Smith, something they did with him in Tennessee was like tight end sweeps. I can't wait to see something like that in this offense. It's going to be totally different. And the Pats had five t- catches by Dalton Keene and Devin Asiai last year. Two third round pick tight ends. Five catches from your two third round pick tight ends. You don't think Hunter Henry and John U. Smith are going to get five catches? Oh boy, this offense is going to be something, man. I'm telling you. Bill is angry. Something something special is going to happen with this team. I mean, you trade away Marcus Cannon, who sat out last season, but you bring in Trent mm-hmm. Brown. You you let or Joe Tooney signs for an, a ridiculous amount of money. Joe Tooney is one of the best guards in football, but the Chiefs gave him five years, eighty million. Yeah, that would have been a huge cap hit. Ooh, that's a lot of money, but so we bringing in Trent Brown's going to yeah, be, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's going to be helpful. That's one thing the Patriots do. They they're good at protecting their quarterback. Like Brady didn't get hit that much and bringing in Trent Brown's no different. He's a great offensive tackle. I think he'll really help out. Yeah. And he was much better with the Patriots than he was when he signed that big deal in, uh, mm-hmm. in, I was going to say Las Vegas, but I guess at the time it was Oakland, but now it's Las Vegas, but he signed, <laughs> he signs with Las Vegas, dude. A lot of penalties, doesn't really figure it out. And man, since since we traded for him, he's been posting like never been happier, like played my best ball here. Like he's very excited to be back. Pat, we signed one of the best free agent pass rushers, Matthew Judon, who you've watched for the past couple of years. Yeah. Yeah, very sad. I was hoping we'd resign him, but it's like if it comes to the whole thing of money, like you got to pay a guy a ton of money. This is like with Yannick and Gakwe, it's like we picked him up, but now we got to let him go. It's Matthew Judon. We're going to struggle at linebacker, by the way. We got to figure something out. But yeah, the Patriots picking up Matt Judon is huge. Why don't the Ravens re-sign the great young players that they get, man? Like, why do they let CJ Mosley go? Why do they let Matthew Judon go? Like, come on, we need to re-sign some of those yeah, guys, just, man. It's that like getting those big scared. paydays, man. We're gonna have to pay Lamar soon too, so I think that's why mm-hmm. we're kind of, especially this offseason, we're not, we haven't made a big signing yet, and I don't know. I I think we're gonna have to pay Lamar soon. We're kind of gearing up for that. Yeah, and uh, dude, Matthew Judon. I mean, we haven't had a pass rusher as good as him since Chandler Jones. We haven't had that guy to come off the edge like that. We it's it's not what we do. We run a rotating defensive line. We bring a lot of guys in, keep it fresh, stop the run. So it's going to be really exciting to have a powerful, fast edge rusher like that because we haven't had one in a minute. And then of course we we get the we get the tight ends, which I'm super excited about. But our our receiver depth is still so thin. So what does Bill go do? He gets Nelson Aguilar and Kendrick Bourne, man. Now, say what you will about Nelson Aguilar. 
he had the second most um, yards per target in the league last year. He had a phenomenal, mm-hmm. he had a phenomenal year. He had like, he had like 17 yards per catch or something, but it was 11 yards per target. So when you're throwing this guy, the ball, you're getting it to him. And we didn't have deep threats last year. Jacoby Myers, Demir bird. We didn't have tight ends. It was a run heavy team. Cam Newton running the ball. So we're getting a couple legit tight ends. Kendrick Bourne was decent on the uh, 49ers. Nelson Aguilar, I, I like the signing pad. I know I sent it in our group chat yesterday, but I just got to shout out that that video of the Philly guy that, that <laughs> <laughs> the literal burning building. Someone is tossing kids out of a window because they're not going to make it. <laughs> yep. This guy catches a kid out of a window and – on his press interview, after he's talking to the media, he's like, he's like, oh, yeah, we were catching him, unlike Aguilar. And then unlike went back Aguilar. to the interview. <laughs> Just because Aguilar but, you was know dropping what? balls for Philly. Aguilar has come far from that. I think, like, yes. he, obviously, he was talented as it was at that time. But, like, I think he's come far. He had a good season in Oakland. I think he's a good pickup for the Patriots. And, you know, it's going to work out better than Mohamed Sanu, who, like, I thought yes. that was a great signing for the Patriots. But. I think Aguilar is going to work out better than that actually did. I think so too. I think so too. And especially when you don't have Philly fans breathing down your neck. I know he's in Oakland last year, but when you don't have Philly fans coming at you, I said this to my <laughs> yeah, girl. Yeah, it's a tough, it's tough. I showed, I showed the video to my girlfriend of that guy saying like we were, we were catching him on like Aguilar and she goes, yeah, Philly fans are messed up. They booed Santo one year. And I was like, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Philly fans are brutal. <laughs> <laughs> but Aguilar and Bourne are going to open up everything for Cam Newton. We don't have those deep threats. We haven't. You add Hunter Henry, John, who's Smith, man. You're, you now, your four best skill position players are new. Your four best skill position players are new. Do you know what that means for what they had last year and what they went seven and nine with? The, this team is going to be worlds better. I'm very excited. We go and sign to uh, we go and sign a D tackle. We go and sign Jalen Mills, who can play any position in the secondary. Man, we re-sign Dietrich Weiss, and I think that's another thing on the Cam Newton signing. D- Dietrich Weiss, decent pass rusher, got more guaranteed money than Cam Newton, and I think that that tells you what's going to happen for the Pats with the rest of the offseason. I think that they're <laughs> going to get somewhere. I think that they're going to draft the quarterback. I think they're going to get someone else. Unfortunately, Fitzmagic is off the board, so we won't be suiting up for my Patriots uh, this year. But I think I think it's interesting when you see that Dietrich Weiss gets more money than Cam Newton because that means that Cam is not the plan. Cam is a potential four to eight mm-hmm. games guy, and I think that could be – I think that's significant. I really do out of this offseason. I don't think the Pats are done at all. Yeah, at the time of recording, I mean, there's been a bunch of big moves. We're definitely going to see more, so we're going to miss some that they'll come out later in the week. But one thing I, I did want to correlate between the Patriots and our Celtics is that I think Danny Ainge should take a hint out of Bill Belichick's book because we have the largest, uh, what, cap exception in yep. the league trade in our exception. history. Yeah, trade exception. Sorry, not cap. I'm thinking in, uh, thinking cap space. <laughs> but yeah, tr- we have the largest trade exception. I think he should take a book out of Belichick's uh, a page out of Belichick's book is that we should go and get someone for the Celtics. But that was what the two cents I wanted to get. Anyways, I hope so, dude. I hope Danny, Danny calls Bill yeah. and says, all right, how do I wake up like this? Like, you know, is it creatine? Yeah, is let's it, go spend that money. Workout. Like what am I doing to get amped up and go sign all these guys? Cause Danny needs to do it. He yeah. Does. Let's go spend that money. And then the last thing on the pads real quick, Pat, Donta Hightower and Pat Chung are two of the COVID guys that are coming back they opted out of last season i don't think people realize how big 
Donta Hightower and Pat Chung are on that defense. Pat mm-hmm. Chung plays everywhere on the back line. He'll come up and play some outside linebacker. Very excited to have his versatility back. Now, Devin McCourty, Jalen Mills, Adrian Phillips, like the list goes on and on with Pat Chung back. The secondary is going to be stacked again. And then Donta Hightower is our middle linebacker. He's our signal caller. He's the QB of the defense. And because he was out, they just handed that responsibility to second-year player Jahuan Bentley, who I really love. Shout out Jahuan Bentley, best Instagram handle there is, warrior mentality. I don't know how he got it, but but good for Jahuan. But man, having Dante Hightower back and Pat Chung in that defense, going to be massive. You are going to see a very different Pats team. We're going to be signing more guys as we go, but I'll say it right now, Pats are making the playoffs again next year. Like it's this team, this team's back. And <laughs> Bill, Bill is out for some vengeance after watching Brady have too much fun in the sun down in Tampa. <laughs> yeah, they certainly got a chance. I think they're gonna have to go after the wild card spot though. Cause those the Dolphins and Bills, they're gonna be uh I think they're gonna be running that division for a couple of years here. Yeah, we're not better than the Bills yet. That's for sure. That is for sure. Dolphins yeah. could be competitive, depends on Tua. Yeah. Yeah. We'll definitely see what happens with two and what they do in free agency. And it's hard to make predictions. Uh, you know, Matt Doyle said it with the MLS. Well, rosters are being built NFL rosters haven't even started being built yet. So it's, mm-hmm. it's definitely, it's definitely a, a lot of news coming and we got to wait. And yeah. See. There's a ton of free agency to go. And, uh, and Pat, we're going to move on to some other teams and right at the top, your Ravens get a little O-line help. And I like this move getting Kevin Zietler. I don't know if you want to touch on that at all. Yeah, well, we, I can just say that we needed uh, we needed someone on the offensive line. I mean, we got a guard and we lost a tackle or we're losing a tackle. I don't think Orlando Brown's going to resign with us. So it was good for us to pick up Kevin Zietler, uh, offensive guard. Uh, so it'll be good to have. I know Lamar needs that protection, but yeah, it, it'll definitely be good to have. I can't really say much else about it. I mean, we gotta we need help in a lot of positions at this point. Definitely not fullback, though, my man Pat Ricard. But <laughs> in other positions, we need some help. Yeah, and unfortunately, you're seeing some receivers go off the board, man, and that's got to be tough as a Ravens yeah. fan. Like you said, like you were not happy to see Chris Godwin go. And now one guy that you had texted me about, man, Corey Davis. Corey Davis gets a pretty decent payday with the Jets. What what did you think about uh, him signing there? Yeah, and Corey Davis wasn't my ideal choice, but like if we could have got him, I would have been pumped. I'm pumped that we could get any top receiver. But yeah, Corey Davis going to the Jets – it's weird almost because like we don't see the Jets sign offensive weapons that much. They needed to, but they never do. So it was good to see him go to a team where he's going to get the utilization that he should get. He got it on the Titans too, but the Jets will definitely utilize him a ton. Him and Robbie Anderson will probably pay, uh, play well together. Same with Jamison Crowder. They might actually have a receiving core for once. <laughs> I think the Ravens will get somebody. I mean, we still got some guys on the board. We got Kenny Galladay. Marvin Jones, we could go after. I'm trying to think of others. Uh, let's see. But Allen Robinson's out, man. Godwin's Robinson's franchise out. tagged. Godwin's maybe, franchise maybe tagged. Maybe Antonio Brown wants to come play with his cousin. Maybe he wants to go yeah. play with Hollywood. We can't even go after Tyrell Williams. The guy got to deal with the Lions. So we can't yeah. even go after him. I mean, there's it, the list is thinning out. That's why I'm thinking, like, we might be just be gearing up for the season after. We're still going to be a good team next year. I don't think we're going to win much, but. No one wants to hear me talk about the Ravens for (laughs) 30 minutes. I think you're still definitely the second best team in the AFC North. And I think you're making the playoffs, but yeah, you definitely need to make more moves. And Corey Davis would have been a nice ad. And I think that, you know, you, you mentioned it going to be a decent receiving core for the jets and whether it's Darnold or another quarterback, uh, another, you know, rookie or Deshaun Watson, I think they need those guys. And 
I've said it. I trust Robert Sala. I like the coaching staff that he's built. I like his pedigree and I'm just going to go out and trust him. I'm going to say I like Robert Sala and I think that it's a good signing because of that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, other than that, I don't have much insight on it. We should have got our resident expert Connor Howe on here to uh, to talk Jets, but then it would have been a half an hour of Jets and we don't want to get into that. Much like I don't want to talk about this next team that's dominating the AFC, but the Chiefs, man, we already touched on it a little bit. Joe Tooney signs there. Now, the Chiefs cut Eric Fisher and Mitchell Schwartz, their left and right tackle. Neither played in the Super Bowl. Um, both played some games hurt and everything, but they they were both out for a while, and it sucks, but you just had to save money in two all-pro, mm-hmm. Pro Bowl-level tackles. Hopefully, they get re-signed on um, you know, some lower-money deals, but Joe Tooney shores up that offensive line, and Joe Tooney has been rock-solid for the Pats his entire career here. He's been one of the most underrated guards in the league. Five years, 80 is a lot for an interior offensive lineman, but shout out Joe Tooney, get in the bag. I, I just hope David Andrews doesn't follow you somewhere and uh, and get paid and leave too. <laughs> I think it's definitely worth it for the Chiefs because you saw in the Super right. Bowl just how much their O-line struggled with people out and shifting around. So for them to go out and, like you said, they lost the two offensive linemen. So for them to go out and get one that Edelman called Mr. Consistency. So for him, for them to get him, is awesome. I mean, that's, that's a huge signing for them. It's what makes most sense for them because you think about the chiefs, their defense is pretty solid. They don't need anything on offense besides an O line. They don't need a running back. They don't need receivers. They don't need a tight end. It's like the, the one thing that they did need was an O lineman. And so for them to go out and get one and pay him that big money, clearly they must've thought he was worth it. And I think it's worth it as well. Without a doubt. Yeah, man. And I, I mentioned too, Allen Robinson getting franchise tagged by the bears. Rather than mm-hmm. talk about how this is good for the Bears, I'm going to just mention real quickly, I feel bad for Allen Robinson. There isn't a quarterback there. It's Nick Foles and Trubisky. One of them starts one game. One of them starts the next. Trubisky figures it out. Gets benched. Like It's a total mess in Chicago. Unless Russell Wilson ends up getting moved there, then I'm sorry, uh, Allen Robinson, that you have to play another year in Chicago because I don't think it's going to be a good year for them. Well, we saw the uh, Deshaun Watson links to the Bears. What if that happens? I doubt yeah. it will, but it could. Well, you then never I'd, know. I'd feel much better for Alan Robinson. <laughs> I'd feel happy for him, right? It could change quickly. <laughs> yeah, without a doubt. Without a doubt. And then staying in the division, another receiver, Tyrell Williams, man. That would have been another good fit for the Ravens, but I haven't mm, seen the yeah, um, details. Lions, go get him. I haven't seen the details on the contract yet, but hey, big physical receiver. Jared Goff is going to need some help, get some love. And Tyrell Williams might be saying, all right, I have a chance to go be a number one or a number two. And it's a one-year deal. So maybe he's saying, all right, another contract here. Let's get paid, betting on himself. Yeah, for me, that definitely means that Galladay most likely is moving on. Marvin Jones will probably stay there. But I think for that, Galladay is probably definitely going to be gone because I don't think they would have gone out and got a receiver if they didn't think that, you know, someone wasn't going to be re-signing. I agree. Yeah. Cause you don't sign Tyrell to be your number three or four. That's that's no, definitely true. not. No, he's a talented receiver. And then we're going to head even farther North in the division and uh, in that NFC North and we're going to the pack man and Aaron Jones gets a four year, $48 million contract. I love it. I'm so glad Aaron Jones got paid. We talked about him as one of those free agents where we're like, we don't know where he's going to go. We don't know if the um, Packers are going to give him enough money, but he's back four years, really, really good money for a running back. But now it's kind of like, all right, A.J. Dillon, what's his deal? Like, you just took him in the second round. What's his mm-hmm. deal? Jordan Love's on the bench, your first-round pick from last year. So your first and second-round pick from last year are backups. It's it's kind of weird. I don't know how the roster building's going there, but I'm pumped Aaron Jones got paid. 
Yeah, yeah, it made sense for the Packers. I think they needed to do it. I don't know who would have been the running back in his place or if it would have been uh, a good idea anyways. I think Aaron Jones, they needed someone who was solid on running back. Aaron Jones has proved himself to be a top running back, both in real life and in fantasy. He's a great fantasy mm. running back. He gets touchdowns for days. So it made sense for the Packers to do that, definitely. Yeah, man, and the Saints. So they did two things at the quarterback position, Pat. They reworked Taysom Hill's contract freed up a little bit of cap space, not paying him as much. And they re-signed Jameis Winston. And the Jameis deal, the headlines were kind of clickbaity, much like the Cam Newton, one year, 12 million. It's not a one year, $12 million deal. It's one year, about five guaranteed after roster bonus and this and that, and he makes the team, whatever. And then it's incentives up to 12 million. It would be interesting mm-hmm. to see Jameis Winston slinging the ball around. Like you mentioned, he had LASIK surgery, so he can see, he can see a little bit better than he did in Tampa. He clearly has a talent. I mean, five thousand yard year, thirty. He had the thirty thirty season, which is the only one ever thirty picks, thirty touchdowns, which is just weird. But you're working with a quarterback guru like Sean Payton, man, really friendly offense. You get a guy like Mike Thomas. Jameis was the one that threw the touchdown. Yeah, against uh against the Bucks in the playoffs, remember? Like mm-hmm. it wasn't even Drew Brees. Jameis came in on a trick play. So I I don't know what I don't know what Jameis is gonna do. I don't think the offense is gonna be better with Jameis, but I, I'm glad that he's staying there and he gets a chance to be Drew Brees' uh succeeder. Yeah, me as well. And I, I don't have much else to say about that, but so long to Drew Brees, and we'll see where the Saints go from there. Right, and we kind of already ran through the Bucks, but uh, I will yep. say I, I really love that they re-signed Shaq Barrett. Shaq Barrett got a lot more yeah, money than huge. I thought he was going to get. Four years, $72 million. A lot more money than I thought he was going to get. I thought it was going to be around 60 so you know it's only $3 million a year difference. But uh, Shaq Barrett got paid. If that pass, ru- that pass rush is staying together, if if you get a healthy Vita Vea and Indomitian Sue comes back on some low money, man, the Bucks have one of the easiest schedules in the league next year, like – it's mm-hmm. it's going to be interesting to see. It's going to be really interesting to see what this team does again. They're, I I they might be fourteen and two and right back at it. Yeah, absolutely. And we could probably just run through these last few Chandler as well. I mean, with the 49ers re-signed Kyle Uzcheck, Titans got Bud Dupree from the Steelers. So that's a great signing. Probably means Clowney's not coming back. Yeah, it could definitely. But uh, yeah, that's huge for the Titans. Uh, the Jets got Corey Davis as well. Raiders got Yannick Ngakwe from my Ravens. That's mm. huge for the Raiders. They're going to have a great defense. So they got Khalil Mack and then Yannick Ngakwe. Or sorry, Khalil Mack went to the Bears. Um, That was like years ago. I'm so mistaken. And then our guy, Fitzmagic, Ryan Fitzpatrick, going to Washington. Huge signing for them. I and mean, what can you say about Fitzpatrick? We love to see that. I, I love that he's expected to be the starter, too. He's everywhere he goes, he's always the starter. I, I don't think he even minds bouncing around at this point. Like, he's just... That's like his career now. It's like he goes somewhere and he's successful. Man, we got to get Fitz Magic on the pod, dude. How much fun would that be talking to him? I would love <laughs> it. Yeah, he's but, he's a stud. But yeah, the fact that he gets to go in and compete with Heineke for that starting job, like because Alex Smith is gone, like he's he's better than Heineke. And mm-hmm. the fact that team went seven and nine with with a carousel at quarterback, dude. But between like freaking case keenum alex smith uh Dwayne haskins heineke like fitz magic is gonna win that division like that team oh, was absolutely. seven and nine they've they're getting better and they add fitz magic that team might win nine ten games this year dude <laughs> fitz magic's about to bring it to washington i can't wait to see what he does there 
yeah, with that division, it's probably going to be up to the Cowboys and then Washington. Washington could surprise us. Like we said, we don't know what's going to happen with Dak, if he's going to be super healthy, what the Cowboys will end up doing. We never know. They're a toss-up every year. They could go 11-5. and five. They could go 7-9, and nine, so we don't know. But Washington could make the playoffs again. Pat, we love talking to NFL, man, and there's been so much happening this week with free agency and trades and all the drama and I'm honestly just looking forward to seeing what is going to be the news in our segment next week about what happens right when we log off this episode, because the NFL news is going to keep popping. The Patriots are going to keep going, keep signing people, I bet. So I'm looking forward to all of it, but we're about to get on to our closing segment, what we've learned. But first I got to give you a quick word from one of our sponsors, book thinkers. So you guys already know from listening to the podcast, but this is a really fantastic company. So if you read personal development books or any nonfiction books, you should really go check out Book Thinkers. This company is dedicated to helping you fulfill more every single day through books. They're posting on Instagram every day. Every single week, they put out a podcast with a top author explaining one of their books on their life-changing book series. And they're just going to help you discover more, live better, achieve more, all the above. So the right book can absolutely change your life at the right time. So please head over to Instagram, type in book thinkers, go to bookthinkers.com, check out this team, their mission, what they're doing and enjoy it. Check them out. Shout out book thinkers, Pat. Now we're going to get on to what we've learned on our show. And Pat, why don't you start us off and tell us what you learned? Yeah, well, what I've learned and kind of what I already knew, but this was only just emphasized this week through our interview with Pat Ricard that fullback is the most underappreciated role in the entirety of the NFL in football as an entire sport. But especially when you get to that NFL level, you look at Pat Ricard, a guy who's 6'3", 300 to 310 pounds. It's like the, what he does for an offense, like the Ravens where it's so run heavy, like he blocks, you think, I don't, they probably do run plays 60% of the time. So 60% of their plays, he's leading the charge and ultimately determining how much, how many yardage or how much yardage that the running back's going to get. I mean, he determines the whole offense. He sets the tone for the entire offense. So fullbacks as a whole, you look at Kyle, you check for the Niners. Like they bring, they, they don't show up in the stats. They are rarely announced and commentating, but what they bring to the table and what they do for teams. Like if you didn't have them, if you didn't have Pat Ricard, you know, pancaking guys, as he says, putting them on their backs, there wouldn't be a run offense whatsoever. Same with, you know, Nick Boyle is the tight end. He helps with blocking as well. It's like fullbacks deserve more love. They deserve more credit. Other positions do as well, like special teams, but fullbacks in particular don't get enough love and uh, for what they do for teams and the guys they're blocking against, those linebackers and D linemen, huge men, huge grown men. So they definitely deserve more love. I couldn't agree more. And that was something that Pat said during the interview. That was awesome. He's like, when you go to block an NFL defensive lineman like that, that's an intense proposition, man. That, <laughs> that is yeah, a huge, guys. aggressive guy. Yeah. That is, that is quite the, uh, quite the job, man. He shout out power card and everything he does. And that's kind of what I learned this week too, Pat. It was only, you know, two hours ago we talked to him, but just reflecting back, man, I, I'm just so grateful and thankful for you know, what we're doing on this podcast and getting to talk to people and share their stories and interview them. And man, I'm just sitting here thinking, and you know, we're, we're going places, Pat, this podcast is on its way up. We just talked to our first NFL player, man. And I just, I just couldn't be more grateful to be doing it, man. It's, it's been so much fun. You and I just hopping on here, talking sports, talking to journalists, talking to athletes and 
it's uh it's been a blessing man and it's it's been a lot of fun and that's what i learned this week man this podcast is just going to keep getting better and better and uh, i'm so looking forward to it because hey man we got our first nfl player you know we gonna get that first nba player mlb we gonna keep it going we're gonna keep it rolling you know the bus is moving here on right off the bus guys and uh yeah, we, we appreciate every listen, like all that stuff that we normally say. But yeah, just thank you guys. Thank you for listening. And, uh, and shout out Pat Ricard because that interview was so much fun today. Yeah, we hope you love the episode. This was already episode 12. I mean, we're going to keep putting it out every Wednesday. That's the plan. We thank you so much for listening. Again, like, follow, subscribe, leave a review if you want, just like Chandler said. But yeah, thank you guys for listening. And again, Great interview with Pat Ricard, and hopefully we'll have more great interviews like that, and we will see you guys next week. And don't forget to listen to the surprise episode of March Madness that's coming out the day or so after this, too. We're going to get that March Madness episode going, too, Pat. We're excited for that as well. Yeah, that'll be a shorter episode. Just gear you guys up for the weekend. But uh, if you want to listen to that, that'll be a bonus episode. If not, no worries. (laughs) Take a seat. Listen to this one. But uh, with that, we say peace. Peace out. You are listening to Right Off the Bus.